Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hello and welcome to the Women and Manufacturing Podcast. My name is Fran Brunel and I'm the president of Accelerated Manufacturing Brokers, Inc. and your host for today's show. Today, we're so excited to have with us Christina Fugis. Christina is the editorial director of Mold Making Technology. Christina has 28 years of experience in trade publishing. She's been MMT's editorial director for the past 22 years. Christina is also the technical conference director for the annual Amerimold Expo and a contributing editor to Additive Manufacturing. Christina, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Fran. This is really exciting to be part of this. Hey, we're honored to have you here. Can you give us a little intro into mold making technology, the brand, its history, and your role in the company? Absolutely. That's always fun to talk about. So, Mold making in and of itself, right? I like to put it this way. There's manufacturing and then there's mold manufacturing. You know, mold making is unique. A mold maker has to understand the big picture. They have to consider part design, mold cavity design, material selection, machining, validating, assembly, testing, sampling, you name it. You know, so it's a very complex manufacturing process. Back in the day, it was an art and a craft, which it still is to an extent but it's more of a science right now. So it's kind of developed. So this publication actually came out of the mind, I like to say heart, of a mold builder that I worked with back in the mid-90s, another trade publishing company. He is a mold maker at heart, the Plastec mm-hmm. Group in Erie, Pennsylvania. And he always said, there's not a magazine for what he does, his passion for mold building. So long story short, There's a lot of connections there, but back in 96, 97, I had moved on to a different publishing company in the medical field, and he called and asked if I would be interested in starting a company and starting a magazine called Bull Making Technology at a trade show. And at the time, I was newly married, and it was no children yet, so it was a perfect time to kind of take that risk, and I jumped in, and here I am today. So it was exhilarating to start a publication dedicated to a niche that through the past 20-some years, what a valuable industry, what a community, what innovators. So the magazine just took off because there was nothing like that. Other trade magazines like would cover it here and there. It was part of the plastics industry and part of metalworking, but nothing just for mold manufacturing. So what I like to say about the brand is the media brand, which is not just print, it's about what's new and what works in mold manufacturing. That's kind of Mm -hmm. it in a nutshell. From design to first shot. So designing and specking, purchasing, building molds, all the way to processing them and maintaining and repairing them. Mm. I love the part I was not aware that this came out of the heart of an actual mold maker. I love that. I absolutely love that. Now, you guys have a print publication, but you also have a huge online presence. Can you speak to that a little bit? You and I were having a conversation earlier about how there's still such a need for both. Can you speak to that a little bit? 
Yes. So we do. We started off, obviously, it's a print publication, and I'm still a print person. I love print. I love getting the magazine in the mail and smelling the pages when it comes in. I still like that. I like to turn oh, that funny and feel <laughs> the same way. content, right? But, yeah. yeah, we were a 12-time publication from the beginning, and now I can't remember the day or the year that we debuted our website, but it's such a critical component, obviously, nowadays, despite the fact that People will argue or debate what's happening within manufacturing and mold making specifically, you know, that next generation coming in. It's happening. You know, I've been out in the shops. I would say the past 10 years, I've seen it happening. Younger people are coming into the field and they consume content differently. So Mm -hmm. it's Again, exciting, but what a challenge to capture their attention when most of us are very print-focused, and that's how we've developed stories, and that's how we tell stories. So Mm -hmm. it's been a learning curve for a lot of us that have been in the trade press for a while, but yes, from websites to e-newsletters to blogs to just the website now on the homepage has just a constant content stream, we call it, news and products on the website, which has then gone on to social media. So we share all that content across. We have a YouTube channel, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Did I miss any? And we're very (laughs) active. We're very active in those channels. And I have seen our assistant editor, Heather Wintel, is working on pulling some analytics by the end of this month to see in a year's time frame. What has happened with our traffic and our audience across our social platforms? Because we've increased our activity in the hopes of growing and teaching our readers, right, that there's additional content and different ways of consuming and you're going to reach different people. But it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's interesting to see same topics just covered a different way. Yeah, that was my next question as to whether or not there was more available online, I imagine there is, and how different the content is between the print and the online versions. And do you find that there's a generational thing where the younger consumers of your publication tend to go online rather than the print and the older go to the print? Generally speaking, I would say, yes, there's definitely a difference. But going into shops, I still see some of the younger mold builders or designers or people in the marketing departments, you know, even on the shop floor with copies of the magazine. Shops are still Mm -hmm. getting it. I still think there's something to be said where if you're younger, seeing a publication that's dedicated to what they're doing. You know, that it almost legitimizes them coming into this field within mold making. It's, oh, my gosh, there's an actual magazine dedicated to what I do. How awesome is that? <laughs> and then that kind yeah. of translates into all the content that's available in that space online. A number of the younger folks I talk to, they might not actually take the magazine and flip through it, but we send out every month an email digital edition, and you can download PDFs of the issue. And a lot of them do that. They'll download the PDF of the entire issue to their desktop. And I've heard a lot of them say they they save. They save the articles that way on their computers, mm-hmm. you know, or to That's their phones great. where they can easily refer to it. So to your earlier question about the differences in content, that's happening more and more. And it was good timing for your question. For January, starting this month, we had a new section in the print magazine, which we've called Short Runs. And it is abbreviated versions of content that we've developed. It's digital only. So in print, we're giving all of our print readers just a peek at 
content they're not going to find if they just read the print. And then there's a short URL that they can go to that will take them to that full story. And then they can see how much more content, because that's happening more and more. If we're out on the road, attending trade shows, think about it. Space and print sure. is limited. It's always limited. So if you want to tell more and share more, that's why digital is – it's infinite. So we want to encourage that's, them yeah. to go online. That's a great way. So you're forcing your print readers to move to an online format to get yes. the entirety of what is offered on a particular yes. subject. I love it. Yeah. So, hey, let's move into, I'm curious to get your take on current challenges in mold manufacturing. What's going on? What do you see as the hot topics and issues that mold manufacturers are facing today? Today. So I know I'm not going to surprise you when I say this, but it is the skills gap. <laughs> it's number yeah. one. Any yeah. of these guys or gals that own shops, and normally the small to mid-sized shop is probably our target reader, but we also go to large OEMs and large mm -hmm. molders that have tool rooms too. But all of them are struggling with finding not just skilled talent, but now you're finding, I'm hearing a lot, just motivated passionate talent to even come in and have that without insulting that next generation because that's not my intention, but it seems mm -hmm. hard to find that younger generation that wants to get into that world and work the way we all are accustomed to. And I'm not saying that the way we work is better or right and theirs is wrong, but they definitely require a certain type of management, right? And they require mm -hmm. different types of benefits. I'm almost envious of them because they love their flexibility, right? And I think they have a better handle on the work-life balance than a lot of us over 45. So I <laughs> look to them like I think that's an area where we can all learn from them into kind of, right. I don't know, honing in what you do and how you do it so you can balance your work and life better. So that is number one, workforce development, we'll call it, um, right. and training. It's huge yeah. for a lot of these shops because it takes time and money to do it right. And you have to be shop owners and their teams, you know, they're busy making product for customers and serving their customers. And they have to find the time to get out in communities, in their own communities, right, and get involved with local school mm -hmm. districts and guidance counselors and businesses and solve this problem for themselves because you, yeah. you can't depend on somebody else to do it. Yeah, that's right. We actually sold a tool and die maker down in the Carolinas last year, oh. and they had developed a wonderful program to reach out in their community. They went directly to the trade schools, but first to the high schools, and they developed their own apprenticeship program where yeah. they pulled kids that were seniors in high school and basically enticed them into the industry. They'd let them on a senior work program, they'd work at this plant, and if they showed good work ethic and wanted to explore a career, this shop owner paid for their schooling yep. um, to go into the technical college. That's wonderful. Um, and it's, you know, what we're seeing is these homegrown ways that manufacturers get involved in their communities and develop programs. You can't wait for the government to do it. No, right? you cannot. Yeah. I feel yeah. like we've tried that, you know, and so many things, and you just, you just can't. 
you need to do it. And I, I would love for you to share that company. Did they, did they get bought up by somebody within manufacturing or plastics or just some an, an equity firm? Or how does that work? Oh, that's that would be a wonderful story. No, so there are three categories generally of buyers in today's market, a private equity, a large strategic, or someone leaving corporate America to make to acquire their way into entrepreneurship. And it was two guys leaving corporate America. One of them had been headed up a publicly traded manufacturing company. They've since made a second acquisition. It's really a great story. Hmm. Kept the jobs in the community have grown this business amazingly. So, but anyway, that's fantastic. Because like, yeah. a lot of I times just, you I hear it doesn't go that way. That's great. Right. Yeah, I just love the story of, you know, the skills gap is an issue across the board. But anyway, this is not about that. I want to continue talking about mold-making technology and talk to me a little bit about your publication is so unique, so specific towards your industry. Perhaps talk a little bit about why someone might consider advertising in your publication, and then I want to jump in a little bit to Amerimold and why the benefits of somebody participating in that. Good. So for the brand, for the industry too, some other issues that are specific to mold making, maybe not specific to mold making, they could be manufacturing, but mold makers might have different challenges within these areas when it comes to keeping up with advanced technology. Again, smaller mid-sized shops, I mean, everybody could struggle with that. There's so much out there and it seems to be on certain levels changing so quickly, it's hard to keep on top of it. You know, when you talk about additive manufacturing, artificial intelligence, machine learning, automation, robotics, data management, uh, you know, smart manufacturing, whatever you want to call it. I think that is of great value. Companies that provide those technologies or services and want to focus on a mold manufacturing operation, there's no better way than to hit up and advertise in the, ma- the only magazine out there that's dedicated to that segment of mold making. It's the only one. So getting on the pages where there's content that is contributed by industry experts that our editorial staff writes to be alongside that content, what better way to you know, be in the minds of a potential yeah. customer than to advertise. And that's not just print. There's advertising options online in our digital properties. We have mm-hmm. webinars too, where technology companies will purchase a webinar. Um, one of us editors will moderate it and they do very well. Another way to set themselves up as educators is what I always say. Don't sell to these guys and gals. They don't need that. Mm-hmm. They need they need help to stay on top of what's occurring in their own shops out in that landscape. Right. So it's of great value. Yeah, that sounds great. I love the webinar idea and the education rather than selling. That It's yep. just, it's the way things are done today. Years ago, I read a book from David Meerman Scott on the new rules of PR and marketing. And it talks about providing value and educational material to your target audience. And I think those that are doing that are faring far better than companies that are just trying to sell, sell, sell. Exactly. And coupled with that, what's interesting, too, is it's amazing still how not so much the technology suppliers, but 
the mall builders themselves have stories to tell. And it's amazing how often they'll see a story of a competitor or just a, a peer shop and they'll reach out to me, which is the first step, right? Well, how do I get how do I get on the pages or how do I get a story about me? I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you just did it. All you got to do is pick up the phone or reach out to me. You are the ones that have to be open and be willing to share your stories. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm beating down doors too, but a lot of times they, and sometimes rightly so, they want to protect, right? What they do could be right. a competitive advantage. They're afraid to open up about what they're doing. And I get that to a certain degree, but there's always ways we can tell a story without digging so deep that they're going to regret that they did that. You know, there's a value mm-hmm. to sharing and informing the, you know, the whole industry is lifted up when people start sharing. And that is what I think mold making technology, the magazine did when it first started, people were amazed at, wow, that people, their peers started to talk more. And, and today sure. they welcome each other into each other's shops. The American Mold Builders Association, which is the United States Association dedicated to mold manufacturing, who we partner up with on different projects, they started to do these awesome plant tours that are these facilitated plant tour workshops. And that was something back in the day you never would have thought would have been able to be accomplished. But they're changing their mindset. They're seeing the value in sharing and learning from each other, not always being afraid of the competition, right? That's how you lift right. each other up. But that could That's be a right. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about Amerimold. Right. So back in when we debuted the show, the show was called Mold Making Expo, and it was dedicated to educating those working within mold manufacturing. So the exhibitors were software people, cutting tool people, machine tool companies, hot runner companies, components, you name it. And we had a very extensive two-and-a-half-day conference program that went along with the trade show. So it was exhibits and a trade show. It has morphed a lot since then, as have trade shows in general. Our show, with changing its name in 2010 to Mold, we started to see a shift in the audience. We had a lot more molders and OEMs walking the show along with mold builders, not only looking to get educated, but to they were looking for new sources of tooling new sources of people, of companies to mold their products. Ah. So we started to see this community wanting to be connected. So I forget what year it was, but we have now our biggest segment that has grown in the show are actually mold makers exhibiting. And that was never the intention of the show. So it's been awesome to see that happen because as you probably know too, they are craftsmen and well, and scientists now, I like yeah. to call them. You know, they're tool makers and mold makers, not really sales and marketing people. So to get them to understand the value of getting out of their shop, having a booth with promotional materials, that's another thing they have to learn, the value of that. And it has taken sure. off. So that's been a big segment. So you can exhibit at the show and get a 10 by 10 booth, 10 by 20, you know, whatever size you want. And you can find all of this at AmerableExpo.com. But if you mm-hmm. want to come and walk the show, which I totally encourage, you can register online. I'm not sure if it's open. It probably opens next month in February. I think there's a nominal registration fee to walk the show. We do not any longer have a standalone off-the-show floor conference program. Through our surveying and talking to attendees, we have a tech talk theater on the show floor. So we have panel discussions throughout the day, exhibitors with technology to showcase, whether it's machining or software or 3D printing. We have a demonstration schedule throughout two days. It's a um, two-day show, and we offer a variety of networking events. What took off last year is something we're calling a sourcing fair. So, and this again came out of people wanting this. 
as you may know, a lot of work is coming back to the states. Mm-hmm. So we have OEMs that signed up last year, Auto Products, Toyota, North America, and Sholey IPN, a packaging company that were looking for more and new mold builders and molding facilities. So we set up prearranged meetings. We kind of matched them up. So at the show, a mold builder that was attending the show, or if they were exhibiting too, I think exhibitors got first shot, they had time to sit down with these OEMs and sell their services. And wow. that was a big success. So we are building upon that. And we are in the mode of soliciting OEMs and even mold builders. And in the weeks and months to come, there's going to be more information coming out about how to participate in that. But that mm-hmm. is a big theme of the show this year is connection within this community because that's what they want. Connect on workforce and connecting with new business opportunities. When and where is this huh? show this year? It is June 10th and 11th in Novi, Michigan, and the show goes back and forth between Rosemont, Illinois, and Novi, Michigan. It goes back and forth because we always said if you threw a dart, they would be the locations that would have the most concentration of our audiences. Sure. That's why we go back and forth. So for companies that might be listening to this and saying, oh, gee, I'm too small to participate, what would you say to them? You're never too small to participate. I think Mm -hmm. thinking that way will not help you gain new business. You know, you won't be able to take advantage of opportunities that are there for you. Just come check out the event if you never have and see what it's all about. And you might be enticed to then want to exhibit one day, but there's many more ways to benefit from a trade show that's really targeting their audiences. And there's also Mm -hmm. something else that they don't take advantage of enough either is we have an annual, like almost a Mold Builder of the Year award, but we call it our Lead Time Leader Awards that has been going Mm. on since 2003. It's a pretty extensive process, but there's a lot of benefits that come to going through the process. It's a big deep dive questionnaire. I have an outside judging panel that scores the sheets, and then we announce the winner at Amerimold. There's an award ceremony. They're presented with the plaque. They get the cover of our June show issue. We do a video feature. So our Lead Time Leader Awards competition, which they can also look up online on our website, is another way to capitalize on you know promotional opportunities to really show showcase what your shop does. And it's the same theme. It's not about how big you are. It's about what you do with what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. So whether you're a two-man shop or a thousand-man shop, you should apply for that also. Yeah. Good advice for life as well, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So Please give our listeners that want to reach out to you to find out both about Amerimold or advertising in your publication. How do people reach you, Christina? I can give a phone number or probably the easiest way nowadays, I think, is email. So they can email me at cfugis, which is F-U-G-E-S at GardnerWeb.com. But I'm also on Twitter. I have my individual Twitter handle, which is MMT underscore Christina. But through the website, too, if they go to moldmakingtechnology.com, there's an About button, and you can click on me, and you can email me any questions. If they have leads, topic suggestions, anything. I mean, we've built this brand on them, the industry. That's why I love this community. I always look at it. It's their publication. It's their brand. It's their website. It's their show because I'm not a mold maker. They are. And I lean on them so much to help me know what their pain points are so we can develop the content that will make them successful in the future. 
Yeah, you guys are doing so many things right. I love that you have adjusted your approach to a Marimold based on feedback that you've received yep. from mold makers that attend to give yep. them more of what they need. That's really, really fabulous. Exactly. exactly. Hey, before we go, I want to ask you and ask you to comment about one more thing. I was just perusing through your website and I saw that you guys have a new mascot, so to speak, that <laughs> yes. you're asking the mold-making community to provide an, a name to. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so this idea, it is our Life of a Mold campaign, and this originated from, I attended a mold maintenance workshop by Mold Tracks out in Ashland, Ohio, last, late last year, and I'm standing around talking to a bunch of guys and gals, and we were standing on a bench, a tool bench with a, with a mold that was broken open, and you were seeing, completely exposed as to everything that went wrong with the mold, and somebody standing there made some sort of comment like, can you imagine if a mole could talk. And then we all started saying, oh my gosh, if a mole could talk, what would it say? And a light bulb went off. And I have to give a shout out to Steve Wilson from Cold Jet because I clearly remember him saying, Christina, you got to roam with that. So our creative department, our Liz Johnson, working with our marketing manager, Dan Sweat, we created this little character and we are right now looking for industry and we're doing this across social media but again if you go to moldmakingtechnology.com backslash amerimold uh, an mm -hmm. ad will pop up for you to submit your idea for a name for this little thing so once we name it we're going to put out a scenario that a mold goes through and we're going to put this across social media and just get people to comment what they think a mold mm -hmm. would say when it's designed wrong when you know when it breaks down when there's something's installed incorrectly you, you name it so it's going to be a fun way this industry has so much humor like i always say the wit and wisdom of this industry never fails me. We have a top 10 reasons to be a mold maker t-shirt every year since we started the magazine and that is where they shine. It gets the most response and participation. So this campaign is kind of in that spirit and it will yep. be, we're gonna be doing something special at Amerimold at the Mold Making Technology booth in relation to this also. So it should be fun. Fabulous. Give us the date again for Amerimold and where people can go to learn more about participation in that wonderful event. Amerimold 2020 is June 10th and 11th in Novi, Michigan, and everyone can visit AmerimoldExpo.com, and all the show details should be there, and they also will be unfolding, the programming details will be unfolding in the weeks and months to come. Wonderful. You've been an absolute delight to talk to. I think we're just about you, out of Fran. time. It I was wish so you easy so and much so wonderful. success with Amerimold 2020 and beyond. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time and giving us this platform to get the word out about mold making. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>